All right, let's turn together this morning, copy of God's Word, to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the very end of this letter, Paul is writing. And though I do not do it often, uh, we're going to consider together this morning one single verse. Uh, we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And let me, let me point out that one of the reasons that, that I don't often take a verse like this and just sort of pluck it out of its context is because it's a very dangerous thing to do. And, and it's, it's important as we read and study God's Word together that we do so in a way that is, uh, honors the, the way God gave it. And, and, and it's important that we understand something of what was written before it and something of what is written after it. And we consider the audience and the context and with the flow of the arguments in whatever book or letter or poem that you're reading, that, that you understand the flow of the arguments there together so as to get a right and an, a true understanding of, of the verse that's there. It's often that people pluck verses out and use them for all sorts of terrible, inappropriate things, and they justify it as being according to God's word, when if they had simply read even just a verse or two before or after and taken it just a bit in its context, they would, they would have understood that they were quite uh, in, in, in quite error. But in, in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, as we come to the end of the letter, I think we're safe or on safe ground by taking this verse out of its context, if you will, and considering it together. This is a verse about thanksgiving and thankfulness. And in light of the season, this Thanksgiving season, as we've just celebrated Thanksgiving a few days ago, uh, as we've been with family and we've been reflecting, I hope, upon all of the blessings that God has given us and uh, garnering in ourselves a, a heart of gratitude and thankfulness for these realities, I think it's important that we can consider together this morning the uniqueness then of Christian Thanksgiving, the nature of Christian Thanksgiving. And this is a verse that gets, that gets to that end and gets to that uh, a point but in 1 Thessalonians 5, as you come to the end of this letter that Paul is writing, uh, this is not unlike what, what we might on occasion do. If you've ever written an email or a letter or something like that to someone in communication with them, then, then what you do sometimes at the end is you will begin to simply list out some, some things that you need to say. Either maybe they're things that you're reminding them of, if it's a lengthy letter or uh, a lengthy discourse, whatever it is that you're writing, and you want to summarize those things again, you'll list them out without any real explanation or uh, description attached with them. You'll just make a list of things. Sometimes it's things that you did not necessarily cover in the letter or in the uh, communication that you had, but you don't want to forget and you want to be sure to, to say, so you'll just kind of jot them at the end. And as, and as we come to the end of this letter, Paul is going to make some closing arguments. And he is beginning to list out several things that are of uh, great importance. And some of them are things that he is rehashing from earlier in this letter. Some of them are not. But they are exhortations to the Christian life. Uh, you see there in verse 12, he's... He says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those that labor among you and provide oversight. Uh, those that admonish you to esteem them very highly. Talking about the relationship of those believers to the, to the authorities and the elders and the positions that God has placed over them in the church. And then he also says, verse 14, we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle and encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, 
patient with them all. So then their relationship to other brothers and sisters, particularly to the weaker brothers and sisters there in the church. Then he's going to talk about their own integrity. Look at verse 15. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but seeks to do good to one another at all times to everyone. Then he's going to tell them, verse 16, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. And then the verse that we'll come to in verse 18. But you begin to see that he's, he's listing out some important realities and at the end of this letter, simply making some exhortations. And so it, they, not that they're not connected at all, but it's, I think, safe for us to maybe pull this verse 18 out of its context, if you will, and consider just this verse alone and what it would say to us. Now, before we, before we read it, let me make one more introductory comment. And that is one of the reasons, as I stated a moment ago, that I think it's important for us in this season of Thanksgiving to look at verse 18 is because I think it helps us to understand something of the uniqueness or the nature of Christian Thanksgiving or Christian thankfulness. Here's the reality. We know many unchristian people that are not all miserable. We know many unchristian people that are not all grumpy, miserly, cold, ungrateful people, are they? There are many unchristian people in our families and at our places of work and in our lives that we bump into on the streets and in the supermarket that are some of the nicest and kindest and seemingly most grateful people that we know in, honestly, various and sundry circumstances. At various points in their life, they seem to express a certain degree of gratitude. And the question then this morning, is that different from the type of gratitude that Christians are called to have? And, and if it is, what is the difference? And if, 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 if there is such a thing as Christian gratitude and Christian thankfulness and Christian thanksgiving, what does the Scripture teach us about that? And how is it different from the thanksgiving or the thankfulness or the gratitude, the, the spirit of gratitude that we find generally in the world? And I think that 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18 is going to help us to understand that. And I'll just go ahead and tell you there is a, there is a tremendous difference. And it's important that we... It's important that we understand it. So let's pray and ask God to open our eyes as we read his word. And then we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. Oh, Lord God in heaven, we need you this morning. But we recognize that in our sin and according to ourselves, we're not able to read and glean truth and light from your word. Your word is holy and perfect and God, we're not. And so we pray that you would forgive our sins and set us aright with yourself. And God, that you would shine a bright light in our hearts that we might understand and see clearly the word that you have given. God, we're thankful for this word. And so we pray that you would write its eternal truth upon our hearts. God, that you would use it to reconcile us with yourself and to make us more like Christ our Lord. God, speak to us now from it. Feed us. God, fill us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. First Thessalonians 5, just verse 18. He says, give thanks in all circumstances or in everything. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I want us to consider some realities about this Christian thanksgiving and why I want to try to show you that this is a verse about Christian thanksgiving or gratitude and not general thanksgiving or gratitude that can be found 
out in the world and generally in people's lives. And the first is that we see very plainly and clearly because it is given by way of an imperative. Now, this is very important. It is an imperative for Christians to be thankful. Do do you see the problem? It's a commandment to be thankful. You are to be thankful. Give thanks, he commands. Give thanks in all circumstances. What a difficult commandment this is. Give thanks. Normally, and the way we understand so much of our gratitude and the way we see gratitude in the world, typically human gratitude, at least according to our nature, is in response to circumstances. But not in spite of those circumstances. So when favorable circumstances come upon us, we are thankful for those favorable circumstances. Or when certain blessings or you know, beneficial realities, they come our way and they befall us and come into our life, then you do not have to be a Christian to be filled with gratitude when someone does something kind for you or gives you a nice gift or provides you with some very real benefit. But what about when... It's not a favorable, favorable circumstance. What about when the situation of your life is not one that wells up inside of us a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving? What about when someone accosts us or offends us or speaks evil against us or commits some atrocity toward us or our family, our loved ones? He says, be thankful. He says to give thanks in these things. Do you see where... Christian thankfulness is going to then be set apart from the generalized thankfulness that we see in the world. First of all, as I said, because it is an imperative. At least, though not only, but at least what this means. You say, well, why should I be thankful when those bad things come? At least because he says so. And I don't, I don't want to minimize that reality. But at least because the word of God... God himself, via his spirit, inspiring men to write and speaking to us from his word, he commands that we are to give thanks. Friends, so many people wonder, what is God's will for my life? I mean, as a pastor, people come to me all the time in, in various circumstances. What is, God, what is God's will? What is God's will? You can Google, you know, that, that there are innumerable books about God's will for your life. It's very peculiar to me. Friends, when you're confused about the will of God, it's normally because you're not doing what you know to do. It's not because you can't do what you're not aware of. But there's a big difference. I tell people all the time in pastoral ministry and in counseling, when you don't know what to do, do what you do know. Just start with what God has told you. And at least with regard to this reality, one of the the first things that we must do in all of the circumstances of life is we must give thanks. And friends, all you have to do is go to the Psalms and elsewhere in Scripture, there is a multitude of testimony from the Word of God where we are commanded again and again and again to give Him thanks for who He is, for what He's done, for His nature, for Christ our Lord, for the atoning work that He accomplished on the cross, for the blessings in our life, and for the difficulties as they mold and fashion us into the image of Christ, as they refine us like a fire into the pure a vessel that God would have us to be as they sanctify us into the image of our Savior. Psalm 100, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. It's not an option. I remember when I was a, I remember when I was a young boy growing up, uh, my parents typically 
as they're both here. My parents typically had wonderful, uh, you know, logical uh, reasons for the things that they asked and required of us as children, typically, not always. Normally they would let us know and, you know, why do I have to do that, dad and, or mom or whatever the case would be? But you know that there were times when, when they would ask something of us or require something of us or tell me to do something, command me to do something, and I would not like it and, and, and ask what, why this had to be done. And the child is not always deserving of an answer, is he? And though I hated it dearly as a child, I would often hear, because I said so. And I vowed then that I would never use that type of terminology because I thought it was utterly oppressive, you know, as a teenager, that if you did not have good biblical, Christian, logical, reasonable uh, reasons for why you're asking me to do these things, then I should not be bound to do them. But, you know, it taught me a great lesson, and that is this, that it is not always for me to know, but it is always for me to do. And, friends, we do not have before us unfolded the complete and full purposes and plans of the sovereign God of the universe that is working all things for our good. He does not share all of those things with us. Nonetheless, he commands that we are to give thanks in all circumstances. And at least we must labor to do this because God says so. And that may seem insignificant to you, and I don't want to minimize that. It is a wonderful thing to be found in obedience when we do not understand. So let us labor for obedience in this area. Give thanks because he says so. But friends, the wonderful thing about this imperative, though it is at least because God says so, it is not only. It is not fully. It's not just because he said so. Look at what he says. Give thanks in all circumstances. And then this is remarkable. For this is the will of God. So yes, it's his will that you should do it. But friends, what that truth also means is that it is what we have been created for. So it's not a matter of abject obedience, of bitter, cold, well, God says I have to, so I'm going to. Do you understand that God does not will for things that he does not call and equip and create us for? Did God make people? Did God redeem us that we could go around with our faces in the dirt, with our heads hung low, with a bitter and cold spirit of ingratitude? Certainly not. Certainly not. In fact, in Romans chapter 1, Paul uses ingratitude or a lack of thankfulness as one of the descriptors of the natural man that is apart from Christ. He says, because although they know God or knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Friends, it is the will of God for us. It means that God's plan and desire for his people is that we would be filled with gratitude. That we would be grateful and thankful and cheerful people. Hopeful people. Not cold and hopeless and angry and bitter. That means a couple of things. 
God created us for it and he commands us to do it, then we must wrestle with the truth that according to this verse and others like it in Scripture, that ingratitude is for the Christian a sin. I don't know if you've ever thought of that. Maybe you have. But a spirit and a heart that fails to be thankful in all circumstances, as God designed and created us for and commands us to do, it is as much a sin as any other sin that you can think of in your life, from the greatest to the least. You ever thought of that, that when you're not grateful, when you're bitter, when you're angry, that it's not just the sin of anger, it's not just the sin of bitterness, it's not just the sin of a lack of faith and failure to trust, it's the sin of a failure to be thankful to God. That's a difficult truth. But the fact that this is an imperative, that it is a requirement, that it is a commandment, that it is the will of God for our lives, that it is a sin for us not to do it, it is good news for Christians. It is good news for Christians. Why? Because God cannot and he does not require something of us that he does not equip us for and through us do. Let me, let me say that again. It's good news that it is God's will that we be thankful and that he commands us to be thankful and that it is a sin for us not to be thankful because what that means then is that God is working through us thankfulness. God does not call us to something that he does not through us do and equip us for. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship, and part of that workmanship is the expression of all of the things that we do, the good works from eternity past that God created us for, that in and through us unto that end he is working. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God who is at work in you, not you at work in yourself, both to desire or to will and to do for his good pleasure. And what is his good pleasure? It is thankful hearts for his people, at least in part. It is the will of God, brothers and sisters, that we should give thanks. This, this imperative command of Christian thankfulness. But not only that, I want you to notice from this text another unique reality about Christian thankfulness, and that is the impracticality of it. The impracticality of Christian thankfulness. See, thankfulness found generally in the world among non-believers and believers alike, but that general thankfulness, that spirit of thankfulness, it is an incredibly practical Thankfulness, Because as I said a moment ago, it is always in response to something that garners thanksgiving. When someone gives you a great gift, then you are to be thankful for it. Now, we're not always, but it, it makes sense. When someone blesses you in some way, then you are filled with gratitude and you offer up an expression of thanksgiving or thankfulness. You praise that person. You bless that person in return. There is this practicality to the general thankfulness of the world. The thankfulness that Christians are called to express is one of utter impracticality. Why? Because we are to give thanks in all circumstances. 
So practically, yes, in the circumstances that well up inside of us a desire and an expression and a spirit of thankfulness, but also in the circumstances where what is built up inside of us is bitterness. We're to put that bitterness to death and give thanks. When the circumstances that come into our life, they make us angry and they cause us to question, we are to labor to be obedient and to walk the path that God has created us for. And that is with a spirit of thankfulness. Put that bitterness and that anger to death and to show and to express in everything thankfulness. And not only is an expression, right? It's not only an expression in return. It is an offering. We are to proclaim our thanks We are to bless and to praise God in the heavens for the good and wonderful things that he has done for us. It's why the the Psalms declare that we are to come into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Those two things go together. But it's utterly impractical because all of the circumstances don't make us want to be this way. So you may be thinking, I just don't understand. This doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. Well, notice... Notice that it is in everything and in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. And I want to be careful here to, to, to parse this out carefully. But, but listen, there are circumstances according to God's providence for which we ought not be thankful. Maybe not in an ultimate sense, for we know that God is working all of these things for our good. But friends, we're not going to... You know, thanks be to God that my sibling was murdered, particularly in the midst of that reality. Maybe some years down the road, looking back and seeing what all God has done, we might be able to do that. But you know, you remember the story of Job. You remember the story of Job and how this man of God who loved God and was great and mighty both among men uh, and, and, and with his peers and in the sight of God. He loved and honored the Lord. He followed and served God, honored them with all of his possessions. He was materially wealthy. He was spiritually wealthy and multiple children. Uh, I mean, blessed beyond measure. And God allows Satan to take it all away. And if you go back to Job chapter 1, particularly in verse 21, What it says is that Job tore his clothes and he mourned greatly. He he was not thankful for this terrible tragedy that had fallen upon him, at least in the moment. But then what does Job say? But the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And it says that in all of these things, Job did not sin. So, so I, think, I think there is a, a careful point to be made here that the Christian attitude of thankfulness and thanksgiving, the expression of gratitude might not be for everything, but in everything we can continue to give thanks. And this, then, is one of the distinguishing marks of Christian thankfulness. Listen, because it is not merely a response to favorable circumstances or blessings. It is a matter of trust and obedience to the one who brings them. And so I think that you see there embodied with Job, 
wrapped up in his difficulty, both the reality of mourning and struggling with the circumstance and a genuine spirit of Christian gratitude and thanksgiving and thankfulness for the God that gives and the God that takes away according to his own purposes and for his own good pleasure. I think Job is a good place to go to see that. And so it is this utterly impractical thankfulness to which we are called a very difficult. uh, I mean, I confess to you that it even studying this week and considering going into this Thanksgiving season, it's easy to be thankful for all of the great blessings in my life. It is very difficult to obey this command and to walk through the trials and the valleys and the difficulties of God's providence with a spirit of thankfulness. But in them, we must give thanks. So there is this impracticality, but then also you may be saying, then how? how? How do I show as Job did, you know, how in the midst of mourning am I able to continue to be grateful for God and what he's done and his blessing and his plans? How do we accomplish this reality? And this verse does not leave us wanting because it tells us not only uh, the imperative, the impracticality that we see or the seeming impracticality, but it gives us the impetus. The impetus for Christian thankfulness, look at what it says. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus. And friends, this then is the ultimate difference. The way this type of Christian thankfulness is accomplished in the midst of the difficulties and the valleys and the darkness is because we are one with Christ. And the world is not. And so apart from knowing Christ and abiding with him, there is absolutely no way that anyone can express genuine thankfulness in the midst of such great pain and sorrow that this life and God's providence often bring. It's not possible. You can never get to that impractical gratitude. You're limited in your human and sinful capacity simply to give thanks for the things that are deserving of gratitude. But if our ultimate gratitude and ultimate thanks and ultimate gift and ultimate grace is the benefit of the person and work of Jesus Christ our Lord, that nothing can take away, then in all circumstances, Christians can and should and will and do give thanks. Friends, I have been confounded as a pastor over the years that in being with families in in the most difficult of circumstances, that their faith and their trust and their hope in Christ has been evident because of their continued gratitude. They were not given to bitterness. They were not given to hopelessness and fear. That even in the face of tragedy and death, they remain thankful because of Christ their Lord. I think about Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Look, it says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. What does that look like? Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught. How? Abounding in thanksgiving. Insofar as we are united with Christ and abiding in Him and walking in Him, we are abounding in thanksgiving. 
Friends, what does this mean? How, how, how is it that being united with Christ and abiding with him, how, how is it that it brings about this type of impractical thankfulness? How is it that, that Christ is the impetus for Christian thankfulness? Well, I've got four practical statements here that I want you to listen to. Number one, it means that the darkness of our circumstances cannot ever eclipse the glorious light of the gospel. That no matter how dark the valley, the light of Christ yet shines in our hearts. The 23rd Psalm, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. The abiding light of Christ that shines in our hearts. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light and those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And friends, the darkness of your circumstance and the difficulty of God's providence, it will never eclipse and darken away the light of the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It never will. And so that is a reason to be thankful. Number two, that even when we cannot see, that even when we do not understand, that even when all we feel is pain and confusion, we may have confidence that all of these things are by God's design and for the purpose of our good. That being united with Christ means that every Difficulty and tragedy and darkness that comes into the lives of God's people, it does so because God has ordained and designed it, and it is so designed for our good. Think about Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Notice it's only for some. For those that are in union with Christ and have been reconciled to God through him. But for those that love God, that for those who are created anew in Christ Jesus, that all of these things are working for your good. That even when we cannot see, when, it, when God has not unfolded his plans for our story before us to know that even in the midst of all of those difficulties and trials and darknesses, we can rest assured knowing that God is weaving a beautiful tapestry. That God means all of them for our good. And so we should give thanks. Number three, being united with Christ means that all of the evils of this world can never derail God's plan for our salvation or snatch us from his hand. You think about uh, John, if, if you'll turn back to the Gospel of John with me just a moment in chapter 10. Some, about in verse 27, we find it here. So he's talking about those that are of the flock, that are that are... Of his flock and those that are not. Look at verse 27. John chapter 10 verse 27. Listen to these words. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. And I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. For my father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. For I and the Father are one. So that for those of us who are united with Christ and reconciled to God, who are of the flock, 
the great shepherd of the sheep, being united with him means that no matter what this life can bring, no matter how deep the valley, no matter how difficult the circumstance, your salvation is sure. And, and fourthly, fourthly and closely related to that, it also means that all of the greatest difficulties in this life, they must ultimately give way to our benefit and our victory. It's not just the, the sort of cognitive reality of our salvation, that, yeah, no one can snatch us away from God. Friends, let us be reminded that even if life, what's the worst this life can do? It can bring us death. But that in death we have nothing to fear. What does Paul say in Philippians chapter 1? For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. That all of the evils of this world, all of the attempts of Satan to tear us down and to bring us to nothing, that even if he kills us, he is simply doing us a favor. He is hurrying us to our victory. He is helping us that all of the worst that the life that life can bring for those that are united with Christ Jesus our Lord, they can be thankful. Because the greatest difficulties give way for the Christian to the greatest benefits and blessings and graces. And friends, it is for those blessings. It is for the crown that never tarnishes. It's for the house that will never be shaken. It is for the blessings of one day that we are made able to be thankful today in and through the person and work of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Helen Keller, many of you know the story of Helen Keller, a young girl. Born in the late 1800s, at 19 months of age, a young, toddling, vibrant child, She is struck in God's providence with a terrible fever, and that fever leaves her completely blind and permanently so, and completely deaf and permanently so. And so this vibrant little girl, so full of life, such a blessing and joy to her family, is imprisoned in in her own mind and body. She's unable to communicate with her family. She's unable to communicate with anyone around her. She's unable to interact with her surroundings to any substantial degree. And you can only imagine, listen, your life may be difficult, but I'm pretty sure that those type of, that type of difficulty in God's providence has not yet come to you. Maybe it has. I don't mean to be presumptuous. But one thing is to be sure, if we consider just a moment how difficult and uh, arduous that road must have been for her to walk. We can sympathize, I think, and even wonder how angry she must have been and how easy it would be for me in my own heart to be given to bitterness and coldness and to just withdraw into myself. I mean, what would I have done, you know, if that had been God's plan for me? She's ultimately able to press on and she 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 is able in some way to develop a system that she communicates with her family and with others around her, and she lives a meaningful life, but it's not without its problems. As a child, she is given to anger and struggle and, you know, rage. 
in dealing with her circumstance, and certainly for it, I, I don't know that she would tell you that she was thankful, but in it, friends, she was. Listen to what she once said. For three things, I thank God every day of my life. Thanks that he has vouchsafed me knowledge of his works. Deep thanks that he has set in my darkness the light of faith. And deepest thanks that I have another life to look forward to, a life joyous with light and flowers and a heavenly soul. An abiding gratitude that the darkness of this life in God's providence would never shake because her hope was in Christ. In the Valley of Vision, which is a book of a collection of Puritan prayers that I regularly recommend to people. I should have brought a copy and shown you. Showed you if you don't have one, you need to get one. Uh, it's, a, it's just a collection of prayers. No, no one is ascribed. They're, they're not ascribed to anyone in particular, but it's a collection of Puritan prayers. And on page 26 in my copy, there is a prayer of praise and thanksgiving. I want to read you one excerpt. Friends, you'll be helped and benefited by these prayers, but I want to read this excerpt from this prayer and then we'll, then we'll close. The prayer goes like this. It says, I bless you, God, for the soul that you have created in me, for adorning it, sanctifying it, though it is fixed in barren soil, for the body you have given me, for preserving its strength and vigor, for providing senses to it to enjoy delights, for the ease and freedom of my limbs, for hands and eyes that do thy bidding, for thy royal bounty which provides my daily support, for a full table and an overflowing cup, for appetite, for taste and sweetness, for social joys of relatives and friends, for ability to serve others, for a heart that feels sorrows and necessities, for a mind to care for my fellow men, for opportunities to spread happiness around, for loved ones in the joys of heaven, and for my own expectation of seeing you clearly one day. I love you above the powers of language to express for what you are to your creatures. Increase my love, oh my God, through time and eternity. Friends, if we are one with Christ Jesus, if we are bound in him, then we have everything to be thankful for. Let us labor to give thanks in all things, for this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the, the abiding graces that flow to us through Christ our Lord. And God, though the circumstances of our life may be extremely difficult and painful, but I pray that you would give us this type of spirit, this type of gratitude, God, that we might honor your word and the commandments found in it, to be thankful in all things. God, that we might walk the path that you've created us for, and that is one of joyful, prayerful thanksgiving. God, that as we are obedient, and as we trust you and find gratitude and hope and thankfulness in Christ in all things, may the world see in us a joy and a hope that confounds them and leads them to Christ. Lord, make us thankful people for your many blessings and graces. Make us mindful of them every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.